Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Through worship, to receive the Word today. And every time I get up to preach, I don't care where I'm at. I prepare and I preach it as if it's going to be one of the last sermons I ever preach. So I put everything into this message. I've studied, I've prepared, and I want you to get what God wants to say to you. We're preaching on spiritual warfare, but what is God saying to you? What season of life are you in right now? What battles are you fighting right now? It seems to be a theme in our worship today is about battle. Did you catch that? How many's in a spiritual battle and you ain't ashamed to say, yes, I am? Okay, okay. Look, I got them both up in Jesus' name. You know why that is? Because we're going to have the greatest year that the devil has ever saw. That's why. That's why. The enemy, the enemy came the hardest, as we just heard in communion, when Jesus was in the garden. He's never prayed no drops of sweat as blood, but he did that one time. Why? Because he was getting ready to go to the cross. Why? Because he was going to be raised on the third day. You see that? Father, we just right now give you permission to speak to our hearts. Have your way in our life. We just focus in on you and we just ignore all distractions right now. And Father, I pray that you use me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated today. Go ahead and be seated. Hallelujah. I want to get right into it today. I got to finish this. We started it uh, to go. I got into this message and I need to finish it today as we move on. We've been in a, a, a fascinating series called Angels and Demons. This is part three of it. It's more of a teaching series. than, um, And so we've been trying to look at the different scriptures and learn from the word of God about the spiritual and unseen realm. And so today I want to continue, I want to title this message today, Angels on Assignment. And I want to encourage you, if you, this is your first time here or you haven't been here in the last couple of weeks, um, I want to encourage you to go over to our podcast or go to the Welcome Center and they'll tell you how to do that so you can listen to the previous messages because it's kind of building off of one another and I don't have time today to recap everything uh, that we have been talking about. Um, so I got a lot of scripture to go with. We usually uh, go for a, a text today, but I got a lot of other scriptures going to do a little different today. Uh, but the Christian life is not a boring life. Let me say that again. The Christian life is not a boring life. And we are called to be engaged in this supernatural or spirit realm that we see all around us. There is a spiritual world. It is here. It is all around us. It is very real, even more real than this because it is eternal and this is temporary. If you've had a birthday this year, how many celebrating a birthday? I'm going to make sure you're awake, everybody here. Some of y'all ain't celebrating a birthday this year. What are you, leap year babies? <laughs> We're getting older every year. Uh, the point is, is that our time on planet Earth is short. It is, uh, and I'm going to go into eternity here in a few weeks, but 
the uh, supernatural world, the spiritual world is eternal, and we are headed that way. But if you look at our world today, it's violence, terrorism, riots, hopelessness, starvation, hatred, division, corruption, perversion, all of these things and more, according to the Bible, are all instigated by evil beings that are in the spiritual realm. The Bible says it like this, for we we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against humanity. We don't wrestle against our neighbor. We're called to love our neighbor. We're not called to fight with one another, as I said before. We're called to fight for one another. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. That's what our, our fight is against. And we will exhaust ourselves if we get engaged into a fight that we're not called to fight. Or we try to fight a spiritual battle in the flesh. You can't win a spiritual battle in your flesh. You can't win a spiritual battle by your education, by your strength, by your youth, by your attendance even of coming to church, by any kind of religious background you may have. You cannot fight for your marriage, for your family, for your children, even for your health in any of these physical fleshly weapons. If you are in a spiritual battle, you can only win it with spiritual weapons. Martin Luther King knew this when he was engaged in defeating the spirit behind racism. And he said this, he said, only through an inner spiritual transformation do we gain the strength to fight vigorously the evils of this world uh, through humility and a loving spirit. He said, in other words, in order for me to fight against this racism, in order for me to fight against it, I got to first make sure I'm transformed from the inside and fight it through the spirit. Oh, somebody. If you listen to the worship today, like I said, that seemed to have a theme. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we, we worship. We, you fight it through worship. You fight it through standing in prayer, and you fight it through the word of, word of God. I want to share this scripture before we get into the angels and demons part of it. It's because as a pastor, one thing I'm called to do is make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. And sometimes Christians can get off in our faith into other realms that we really aren't called to get into. And we can get our eyes off of the prize and lose our focus. And this happened in the early church. And so Paul wrote in Colossians, and he says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. See, we're going to talk about angels. We've been talking about them. They're not meant to be worshipped to be prayed to, uh, or to seek after, uh, or to in any way be our focus. And in the early church, there had some people that was into mysticism, superstition, and I know it's very interesting to talk about. It's all in the scriptures, and we're talking about it, and we're wanting to gain um, information and an eternal perspective. That's why we're talking about it, but we I don't want us to get off course here and off focus. Then he goes on and he says, such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up 
with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. <laughs> this is, this, what a sentence. He said, in other words, there are people who like to talk about deep revelation and, and spiritual beings, but yet they are idle. They're, they're not doing anything to help further the kingdom of God. They like to talk about spiritual things. They like to go deep about their revelation, but they're idle when it comes to working for the king. I'm not getting no help in this Presbyterian church this morning. <laughs> and then he says, this is the problem. They have been disconnected. They lost their connection with the head. Who's the head? Jesus. This is, an, this is an amazing scripture, but I could teach this all day, but I want to focus on this, is that these people got off into the spiritual realm so deep that they weren't able to make a difference on earth. And then he calls them unspiritual. They are unspiritual because they've lost their connection with the head from whom the whole body uh, is supported and held together. What I've realized is the most spiritual people, as I look into the word of God, the most spiritual people aren't the ones that can talk about the deepest spiritual truths, that can, but that can be translated in the most practical ways and live the most practical ways. Jesus would teach about, obviously, the kingdom of God, but yet he would bring it and live and, and, and bring it into perspective of how to live it out in our daily lives. He was very practical. So being super spiritual isn't being untouchable, but being practical. I'm reading through the book of Acts, and Paul's standing there in front of King Agrippa, Festus, and Felix, and they bring him out, and he stands there for three chapters, shackled, and your Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit. And we would think if you're filled with the Holy Spirit that you only do one thing, which is praying in tongues, which I'm going to talk about in two weeks, which is going to bring this all together and see how the fall of Satan and Babylon actually is connected to the day of Pentecost. That's in two weeks. But you see the Apostle Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, and he stands there and he looks up and he talks to King Agrippa, Festus, and Felix, and the king himself says, you almost persuade me to become a believer. Paul said, I, I wish that you don't only become like me, but you become just like me except for these chains. But he stood there with boldness. How did he do that? He stood there filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is so we can live our lives in a practical way and overcome the darkness. So let's get into this. What are these beings, these spirits, these angels and demons, and what do they do? There's seven things, and I only got two last time. The first one was that they are spirits. These angels, these beings, I told you that they were spirits. That humans don't become angels, and angels don't become human. They can take on human form, and we talked about that, and you need to go back and listen to that if you weren't here, uh, on and on and on. But when we, when we die, when we pass from this life, we go on to heaven. We are not angels. We, are, we receive our spiritual body, and we are forever in the presence of the Lord. And when you learn next week... Why Satan fell was because he's jealous of you and me. When you learn the purpose of why God created humanity, you will be proud and content to be a human. You won't want to be anything else. You will walk in your authority and your uh, humanity, and you'll understand it a, a lot better. So you don't want to become an angel anyway. Then I said that, number two, they protect. 
and they do. They uh, protect, and they are sent through our prayers, and they are sent, the Bible says, are they not ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? I don't know about you, but I've prayed, especially when my girls were in college, they were down in Florida, and I would be woken up sometimes in the middle of the night, and then I would have Felicia on my mind, or one of them, or both of them, and I would just begin to pray, and I would say, God, I pray right now that you dispatch your angels from heaven, and that you just fill that dorm room right now there in Lakeland, Florida. Father, I pray that you protect them. I pray that you be with them, Lord, and drive out any fear, and let them know your presence is there, and I would just pray like that, and I tell you what, 90% of the time, the next morning I hear from one of my daughters and they would say, Dad, I'm, I went through this. I didn't get any sleep last night. I was, this is what was happening and going on in my life. And now I know why God had me up praying. But they, they protect us. And now let's get into this today. Number three, they influence culture. Your Bible teaches that the unseen realm that is all around us actually influences culture. Now let me say this, as I'm going to show you, is that Satan and the evil beings, they negatively impact culture. Who then is supposed to impact culture with the light? We are, not angels. We are. What did Jesus say in that simple teaching? Let your light so shine before men. We are called, the theme of our church this year is arise and shine. For your light has come, and my glory shall rest upon you. you. Who is called to make a difference at your workplace? You are. Who is called to make a difference in your family? You are. Who is called to change the situation and the circumstance that you're dealing with right now? You are. How do you do it? Through God's presence in your life. You don't have to shout at the darkness. You don't have to get real spiritual. All you got to do is walk over and turn on the light. How do you drive out darkness? You get more of the light in you. When I first got saved, one of the, I was battling addictions and, and everything else in my life, 25 years old, and I was very heavily involved in the party scene and, and out there living, I, just, I could not think you could have a good time without a substance at all. It, it just, I didn't believe you. I thought you would be lying, number one, or number two, you didn't party with me. When you would tell me that you didn't have to have these things and that you can be happy, I, I just didn't believe you. I worked hard, I had money, but I also had a lot of these addictions in my life that I didn't realize how strong they were in my life until I tried to quit them. And I realized my willpower just isn't good enough. Getting back to what Martin Luther King said, you're not going to be able to battle any kind of addiction or any kind of a stronghold in your flesh with therapy, steps, this or that. And I believe in all of the seven steps. I believe that they do help you. But I'm telling you, until you take the first step and the one and only step, which is being in Christ Jesus where you are a new creation, you will not overcome the flesh. You can't. You can't overcome the flesh in flesh because it's not a fleshly thing that you're in, involved in. It's a, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual problem that manifests itself with these fleshly and carnal problems. But we are called to turn on the light in our communities. We're called to turn on the light in, in the culture because Satan and his enemy and, and our enemies has, has influenced it. Look what in the story of Jesus' temptation it says, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, 
showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, this is fascinating. I don't know how he did that, but it says he took him up. I don't know if he come alongside Jesus, and, but he took him up. That's what it says. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world at that time, which is the first century. So you had the dynasty of Egypt. You had, you had some, some like today, but you had the kingdoms of the known world right there. And Jesus is 30 years old. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, Satan and, the, and our enemies did not realize the whole plan that God had for Jesus, or your Bible says they wouldn't have never let him get to the cross. All they knew is he is another one. They knew who he was. They knew his mission was to come and redeem humanity, but he didn't know how, they was, how he was going to do it. So what they, he tried to do is what he did with everyone else, including Adam, and that is to tempt him out of God's will and get, you know what the enemy's trying to do? Listen, when you are a believer of God, you are in the palm of his hand. He cannot touch you without permission from God. There ain't a devil in hell that can then get you out of the will of God. Jesus said, no man can pluck you from my hand. So it's not like you're going to, Satan's going to steal you out of here or anything else. But you know who can get you out of the palm of, your, of his hand? You can. You can walk right out of it. God has given us all this wonderful gift called free will. And that's exactly what he's trying to do with Jesus. God never tempts us. As I said this a few weeks ago, but God does test us. Satan tempts us. God will test us. Why? And what's the difference? God tests us to bring out the good in us. Satan tempts us to bring out the bad in us. It's that simple. You need to look at temptation. Listen, temptation is an opportunity for you to grow stronger in your faith. Because faith only grows when it's tested. It will not grow if you're comfortable. So if you're comfortable, I'm going to be praying for you. Because you're either coming out of something or you're about to go in something. Come on, somebody. Why? Because he's making your faith, what did James and Peter say? As pure gold. And it only can get pure gold unless it's refined in the fire. Well, I'm getting off my message. That's for somebody here today. So here comes the enemy. He took him up on a high mountain. And he said to him, this is interesting, all this authority has been delivered unto me. Look at that. And I give it to whomever I wish. Where does Satan get that from? You'll see next week. Come back next week. He says, I got, he got it from Adam. He says, it's been delivered to me, and I give it to anyone I wish. I will give it to you and their glory. Jesus, people will be wanting you to take a selfie with them when you walk down the street. They'll be screaming your name everywhere you go. You'll have, a ha you'll have paparazzi will be following you everywhere. And he, they'll be crying out for you, and, and they'll be doing that. And, and Jesus is thinking, I'm going to get all that and more if I just follow God's will. Let me just tell you something. The enemy will try to entice you on something that God already has planned to give you. What did he say? Humble yourself, and I will lift you up. God says, I'll give you all these things that you're needing, but the enemy always tries to get us onto his fast track. That's what he's trying to do. So he says this thing, to, I'll give you all the glory, and the world's glory is very appealing. You know, I was a young kid growing up in the inner city. I mean, we had this thing called MTV. 
and it had these music videos, and, and I'd go, my cousin lived on Seven Mile in Exeter in Detroit, and we, she would watch the jukebox, and you'd call in, and remember the jukebox, I know I'm going way back there, come on, VH1, I'm going to get off my message, okay, anyway, and, but, but you would sit there, and I would watch these videos, you know, and, and Run DMC would come out with a fat gold, and, and, or chain the ropes and that, and, you know, and it, it just seemed like everything was so glamorized, wasn't it? And, and too short, you know, all them guys, and, 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 and growing up, that's what we wanted to be like, and guys in the neighborhood, they had the nice, nice cars, and they would drop it low, and they had the switches. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all talking about, what is he talking about? Amen. So what did I do? Mama gave me her Mustang for graduation that somebody gave her. Somebody in our church gave my mom a Mustang. Now, this was uh, 1980. What year was that? I don't remember. So she gave it to me for graduation because gra- me graduating high school, everyone deserved a medal in my family. <laughs> Summer school, night school, every other school, but I made it. And I told mama, you deserve this diploma. A year late and everything else. The military was involved. I had the Marines saying, hey, if you would just graduate, son. Everybody was trying to get me to graduate, and I finally did it. So mama gave me a Mustang. So what I do? I hooked it up. Put the rims on it. Put the spinners on it. And you can hear me coming before I come. Greatest compliment was when my friend's mama said, Eddie, when you come, all my dishes vibrate in the china cabinet. I was sick. You don't know what I'm saying? Just come back. I'm getting back into the message right now. <laughs> but a lot of that, a lot of that, here we go, is just self-pride. And Jesus said it like this. So the Bible says that we fight against an enemy, the pride of life. And this is exactly what the enemy will try to do. It's his first thing with, with Eve. Well, that's next week. I don't want to go too far into that. But it's all about, about the pride. So here he goes because he got Adam and Eve with it. So he goes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, all of this I will give you if you would just worship me. And I don't know what you're dealing with today, what, what temptations you've battled this week. Some of you may be battling uh, your faith right now, whether to just believe in this thing or not. I just, I just, when I was preparing this message, I don't know if they're going to listen to it on a podcast or, or anything else. And uh, maybe there's an atheist or someone, an agnostic that is listening to this. And, and, and your, your problem is believing in this whole thing. I, I just want you to know that God will not go away just because you don't believe in him. That he is, was here before you got here. He's here now and he'll be here way, way when we're gone. So choose you this day whom you're going to believe and who you're going to serve. That's for somebody here today. And Jesus answered and said the same thing how we need to answer. He behind me, Satan. For it is written. Notice how he uses the word of God. Again, you can't fight a spiritual battle. He didn't say, Jesus, get away from me. I'm using my mind powers. I'm using my positive thinking. Don't get away from me because I'm a Capricorn. People kill me with that. Why look to the stars, by the way, to get your future when you can look to the one that made the stars? Sounds good, don't it? You can thank Carmen for that. Another 80s reference. Amen. He didn't say get away from me because I'm I'm Jew. My ethnicity, I love it in Romans, uh, Galatians, Paul comes along and says, you know what, because people were getting hung up into this Jewish thing, into this ethnicity that only the Jews, they were struggling with nationalities because God was opening the door to Gentiles. 
And so they were, their fallback was, see, Jesus was a Jew, so it's for Jews only. And I love what he says in Romans, I believe it is. It's all over. It's in Galatians too. But he says, we don't even recognize Jesus no more according to the flesh. Because in Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, free or slave. We are all one through Christ. So it doesn't matter what your background is or your ethnicity. All that matters is your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. So he says, get behind me, Satan, for it is, wor- it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Isn't it interesting that he said serve? Wouldn't it make more sense if he said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only are you supposed to worship? What Jesus is doing here is he's making worship and serving synonymous. It's good and bad. It's a good indicator, and it's, it's also to let us know if, who we are worshiping. Because you just ask yourself, who are you serving? You got you to gotta serve somebody. There's an old Bob Dylan tune. I'm all over the place today. There's an old Bob Dylan tune called, you got to serve somebody. Do we have that? Etta James remade it. So you can look her up too if you don't like Bob Dylan because he's got that little, you may serve the devil, you may serve the Lord. Go look it up. It's an awesome song. But the the song says you may be a rich man, you may be a poor man, you may be a rock star, you may be living in another country under another name, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You got to serve the devil or serve the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Someone's going to be looking that up on the way home today. It's got that swag, too, that 60s, boom, boom, boom. Anyway. So who, who you're serving really shows who you're working. Listen, I know we all like to make money. That's why we go to work. <laughs> but let me tell you something. You can get it crossed because the world serves money. And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. So let me tell you this. Money is a horrible master, but it's an excellent servant. You hear me? It's a horrible master. It's never enough. Ecclesiastes says if you get money, as soon as you do, you realize you don't have enough. Number two, he says, people you don't even know will come up knocking at your door. And it'll go faster than it came. But we are to work and serve God. And by the way, how do you glorify God in your job and in your work? You simply give glory to God. When they come over and say, man, how did you excel so fast in sales? How did you, how did you get so good? How come you get promoted? How come you seem to be doing better? I mean, you know, your truck broke down three times this week, and, and I worked in delivery for 17 years. And so your computer broke, and, and this and that. And we had a snowstorm. Our union would say you either work now or work on your day off, but you're going to work. And so we would take a shovel with us at our, in our job, in our trucks, to go driving behind Farmer Jacks. And, remember Farmer Jacks and Kroger's and stuff like that? And you know what? Uh, yeah, it was aggravating and everything else, but God was with me, and we was able to overcome. And I would literally have people say, Eddie, how do you, how do, you do this? And I wasn't perfect, but I would tell them, it's because of my faith in God. It's because of God. And they would, they would say something to me. You know what? I know this person, he was religious, but he didn't seem to have what you have. And then I would then say, well, I'm not religious. I'm not re- I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And next thing you know, they're coming over. I had one guy, he always would come over me and say, Eddie, I want you to, want you to touch me. Do that thing that you guys do before I go out. <laughs> he found out I was, I didn't want to tell him I was Pentecostal because they, they, as soon as I did, he went, oh, so you're like Benny Hinn. Yeah. 
and he was a big guy, and he, he had hearing aids, and so he couldn't hear, and he, so he's really loud at the end of the dock going, like all of this, and anyways, so I was like, yeah, but no, um, and so I would tell him that the Spirit of God, you know, is real, but it opened up a conversation, and I said, you don't need me to rub on you for you to have a good day or to do any of this. Listen, you need Jesus in your life yourself. So also serving in worship is the same thing. Those of you that are serving today at River of Life back there at River Kids, they're actually worshiping God. Am I making this up? You shall worship the Lord and him only shall you serve. Serve in the Greek there means to offer a, I actually looked it up. It means to perform services or to offer gifts. When you give in the offering, why we give, it's an act of worship. We just came through the Christmas story. What did the wise men do when they came all the way over from Persia, from the Middle East? They bowed down and they gave gifts and worshiped. You're both right. Because it says they did both. Well, which one did he do? Both. Whenever you give, whenever you serve, whenever you, whether you're a greeter or you're joined in, we, had, we were overwhelmed by so many of you that signed up to find your spot. I'm so excited about this church, of what God is doing. But when we do this, we do it as we're worshiping God. Number four, I got to keep moving here. Spirits, these angels and demons, they're involved in governing the human world. I said they're involved in governing in government. You know, people say, you know, the devil's in my house because my, you know, dog and cat are fighting each other, you know, and. Come pray the devil out of my cat. No, he's a cat and they're dogs. That's why they fight. It has nothing to do with the devil. Now, I'm not saying the devil's very real, but as Pastor Kilpatrick used to say, honey, you ain't worth a worn out demon, let alone Satan himself. <laughs> he's a tough pastor. Anyway, there are demon spirits that do fight us, but our biggest battle, I'm going to get to this later in the series, is our, really our flesh. But the devil is very real. Where he's at, he's in government. He's in the governments of the world. How do you know this? Well, we get a peek of it in Daniel. Daniel is a man in the Old Testament. I love Daniel. He was a young man. He was taken captive at 18 years old. He was taken into Babylon, given a new name, a new diet, a new religion, and a whole new culture. Chapter 1 tells us, young people, high school, college students, how he overcame. This is how he overcame. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself against his God, period. you got to make up your mind in your own heart. Once Daniel purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself, no matter what the culture says, I don't care what MTV, VH1, or iTunes, or whatever else, music is pumping out, entertainers, and music, everyone else is saying this way, and this is how you feel, so this is the way you're supposed to do it. Daniel said, I'm not going to go by my feelings because my feelings are going to get me in trouble. Because sometimes I feel like fill in the blank. What do you feel like doing? A lot of things. So we're told as Christians not to walk by our feelings, but to walk by the, our spirits. Daniel is a prayer warrior, and an angel comes to him, and he says, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I want you to see that. The, the, the moment that you prayed with a humble heart, the moment you prayed, God heard you. And I have come because of your words. We'll come back to this. Watch this. But the prince 
of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Wait, what? Then he said, do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince, the spirit prince, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. Because angels are also messengers. We haven't even covered that. But the, the, the name angel means messenger. That's why when we just say angels and demons, we're really uh, not doing a just service to the unseen world. There are way more different spirit beings and tasks that they do besides fly around or demonically possess people. We covered that in week one. They are the evil influence in the earth today. And here you see it. Meanwhile, I will let you know, for no one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. Fascinating. Wouldn't you, first of all, love to see that? Here's this fight going on. Why he was left alone, I don't know. Why did he, he know? And he was held up for three weeks. So there's two things about this. Number one, there are, and we'll cover this in a little bit more detail in two weeks when I talk about Babylon, but I'll say it now, that there are evil, demonic, according to the Bible, demonic presence, spirits, that are assigned to different geographic areas on earth. I know, it's, it's, it sounds bizarre. But again, this was here before Hollywood was here. So right now you're going, that sounds like a movie. What? And you're, you're like, what? What? No, no, no. This was here. And that's one of the tricks of the enemy. The biggest trick is for him to think that he, you don't, that he don't exist and that he is not an enemy. That's why he came to Eve in the form of a serpent. He, he tries, and the Bible says the serpent was the most craftiest uh, creature God created. So she already had trust that she was willing to listen because she already knew that it was one of the most smartest beings that God created. And Satan used what she trusted to manipulate and deceive her. There are these enemy, these demonic presence that cover certain geographic areas in the world. Have you ever went into a, I believe that they are over regions, over cities, neighborhoods. I know, again, it sounds bizarre, but I, you ever go into an area and you just feel like something ain't right? And so you leave and you go back and you still have that feeling. So you know it wasn't the pizza. That's exactly what I believe. And when you are born again, you are awakened to this reality. What did Jesus say when he took it? He said, unless you become born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You won't even see what I'm talking about. You'll read Daniel and be like, what? Persia? That was a cool movie, Prince of Persia. But when you are awakened, born, remember the we sung that song today about, about spiritual warfare, and it's taken from the story of Elijah and his servant, Elisha and his servant, and the enemy surrounded the camp, and the servant ran into the tent and said, Elisha, the enemy has surrounded us. And Elisha's in there just shaving or doing something in the morning. 
And he says, oh, don't, don't fear, because those that are with us are greater than those that are against us. And the little servant says, what are you talking about? Have you been outside? Have you seen these warriors? They're bloodthirsty. It's awful. They are coming. They have surrounded the camp. And finally, Elisha goes out and he looks around and he goes, yep, I don't deny that you're going through a struggle. I don't deny that you've got some issues going on. I'm not denying that you've got a serious battle on your hands. I'm just wanting you to be awakened to the reality that there are more for you than there are against you. And he says, Lord, I can't tell this boy nothing. Open his eyes. And your Bible says his eyes were open. And he looked. And behind the enemy were chariots of fire all the way around the hills that surrounded him. Come on, somebody. If our eyes could only be opened, Billy Graham said, if our eyes could be opened to the spirit world, we would see angels and demons locked in warfare. There are areas, and I can go on and on and on, and places we've been in Honduras where they, they call this mountain it's in Spanish, it's this place of, the, of Satan and the dead, and it's, you go through there, and it's just a, you want to get through there as fast as you can, and, and you see people coming out of the mountains. I believe my dad seen it one time with Gary when you guys were there, and coming out, and these people are just like in a trance and, and pain all over them, and many times no clothes on, and they're just, everyone stays away from that mountain. It's just, what is that? It's an evil presence that is there. There's on and on and on. You can look up uh, the forest in Japan. Uh, 2020 just did a story on this. 2020 just did a story on this mystical forest in Japan. They call it Suicide Forest. People are just uh, uh, flocking to this place and killing themselves, and they got these scientists out there with these gizmos, you know, trying to detect energy and, uh, and heat and, and that. And, and listen, you don't need that gizmo to discover there is an evil presence there. It's right here in Daniel. How you overcome it is by the blood of the lamb. And listen, if you're here, and suicide is a real problem today. And if you have these thoughts and these depressing thoughts that can take you down, number one, don't underestimate it. And don't think you're greater than that or you're above it. You need to speak to somebody and talk to somebody about it. And they can pray with you and pray that thing off of you. As you've seen in the New Testament, when the Philippian jailer had a spirit of suicide on him, he was getting ready to kill himself, and Paul spoke up and delivered that man. Paul did that. You're called to do that. I'm called to do that. Step up into someone's life and say, hey, man, let me, I can't heal you, but I can take you to one that can. Start getting a word in you. Start flushing that. Because depression's got to go. Depression's got to go when that word comes into your life. When you begin to meditate on the word of God. Philippians 4, think of these things that are pure and noble and righteous. Think on these things. Cast all your care on him. Isaiah says he, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. We got more scriptures in the Bible telling us to overcome any kind of these mental battles than any other thing on planet earth. It is through the word of God. And second, the angel came only through prayers. Notice the Daniel. The angel said, I came when you prayed. It took three weeks. Don't know why it took three weeks. We don't know. But he said, I came the moment you prayed. If Daniel would have never prayed, that angel would have never came. How many angels are we just leaving standing idle because we don't pray? How many miracles we are missing because we simply just don't pray? Pray. 
All right. Number five, angels carry out divine judgment. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, all you angels, you mighty ones. Mighty ones is a Hebrew word, which means it's gabor. It means mighty warriors. There are some angels that God has reserved for carrying out divine judgment. You read it in Genesis 19 when the city was so wicked and perverted, Sodom and Gomorrah, where these angels came in the form of man and the people actually tried to uh, rape them and have sexual relations with these men. It's in your Bible in Genesis 19. So bad that Lot said, please don't do this. He offered his daughters instead. Just It was a very bizarre and dark uh, city and life. And the Bible says these men surrounded it and tried to get in. And the angels said, stand back. And they wouldn't listen. And so the angels smote them with blindness. And the Bible says they were still so perverted in their blindness. They were scratching at the door trying to get these men. That's when God said, i got to destroy the wickedness of men. i got to destroy it. It's in Genesis 19. It's in Acts 12 when Herod came out in his arrogance and pride. And an angel smote him with worms. Number six, they observe humanity, both good and evil. Jesus, uh, Peter said, be sober, be diligent. Be sober, be diligent, because you have an adversary, the devil who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What does lions look for? Lions look for those that are young, isolated, and unprotected. Again, they observe humanity. They they observe both good and evil. Angels in Daniel. Daniel said, I saw visions on, on the night, and there came to me was a watcher. What did he call them a watcher for? Because they watch. Paul said in 1 Corinthians that he says that angels watch. And actually, the scripture says that angels are, are blown away at God's methods, that he, God would choose a broken humanity to bring deliverance to God's people. The angels are fascinated with that. Seven angels, and I want to close with this. I told you I'd get through all seven of them. Come on, somebody. Amen. Because <laughs> i got to move on next week. And the worship team can get ready for this. Uh, can come and join me. But angels escort to heaven when we die. Luke 16, Jesus tells a story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man lifted his eyes in hell, and Lazarus, the poor man, was carried by angels to heaven. Now, the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he rejected Jesus Christ. But Jude 9 tells us a very interesting scripture. Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, he was a biological son of Mary and Joseph who did not even believe in Jesus. None of them, how would you like it if your sibling told you they were the Messiah? Some of you be like, yeah, he thinks he's the Messiah, amen. <laughs> Have you met my brother? Have you met my sister? This guy was, and he didn't believe him. But later, after the resurrection, they all came to follow in his footsteps. And Jude tells us this. It's bizarre. It's, he says, Michael, the archangel. Here's Michael again, same Michael from Daniel. But here he's identified as, a, as an archangel. In contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses dared not to bring against him a reviling accusation, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. There's something in the name of Jesus that even angels use it. The Lord rebuke you. We don't know what this is. I personally believe it had something to do with Moses' past. He was a murderer. He was a hot-tempered man. 
and he didn't get into the promised land because of his temper. And so your Bible says God killed him. I personally believe that Satan came and said he's mine. And Michael said, you ain't getting him. Because under the old covenant, he did. His blood was, through the sacrifice, he was forgiven. But I believe that's what that contention was. We don't know. You can speculate. All I know is that when you and I die, this is, a, this is, this is fascinating. If you think, I'm telling you, the Christian life is not boring. If you think the Bible's boring, you're boring. That when you die... And I got these statistics. It just blows my mind. The ecologyglobal.com says 6,316 people die each hour. 105 people die a minute. Two people die a second. Six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. 20 people just died on planet Earth. Now, the good news is, I had to look up the good news, four babies are born every second. Two people die. And it's an ongoing cycle. And you think, I think, if you just die, that you're just going to float around. No, you have to have angels, I believe, come and take you and escort you into the presence of God. That's why I believe it says no man knows the hour. When Jesus, will, when Jesus will return. Jesus said, I don't even know. It's only been reserved for my father. There is this spiritual battle that is for the souls of man. That's what this whole thing is about. I know it's a, it's a deep subject to talk about on this Sunday. Some of you thinking about lunch and a baby shower or something you got going on today. You come in here and I'm talking about Gabriel and Lucifer and angels and eternity. And some of you are like going, whoa. This is, but I want you, this may be the only chance I get to tell you that there is an ever la- after, after this life and Jesus died for you and he wants you all to himself in heaven let's all stand what you got to do is you got to choose this day who you're going to serve you say well how, how can a loving God how can a loving God put anybody into hell number one he doesn't put anybody into hell you'll see next week that God created hell for a place of Satan and his angels. But when you and I die, you either go into the presence of a holy God next to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Isaiah, and, and Paul. And you either go with them or you go to the place where you people go who rejected Jesus Christ. There is no middle area where you're kind of saved. Well, I'm kind of a believer. I tell you, like... Just like someone that's pregnant. You can't be kind of saved no more than you can be kind of pregnant. You either are or you're not. Now, you may be a baby Christian, and there's really not a lot of fruits there. It's like a mom may not have a lot of, she's not showing right away, but there's a baby in there. In a few more weeks, in a few more weeks, it starts to show. You're following God. I want to close this whole message up to this moment right now about salvation. And I ask you, where are you? In all of this, are you a follower of Christ? Are you say, yeah, I'm saved. I'm following him. I've committed my life to Jesus Christ. Because as I said a minute ago, that's what this is all about. It's about your free will. Heaven, God and Satan, actually what they're fighting over is the only thing they don't have. The only thing they don't have and the only thing they can't take. And that is your will. 
So my job is to try my best, as Paul said it, to persuade you. And we try everything. We sing, we practice, we worship, we watch your kids, we do this, we train them, we teach them. All for this, to persuade you that there is a heaven, that there is a hell, there is a God, there is a Satan, there is good, there is evil. And you need to choose. And I'm saying, please choose God. Please choose him. Not a religion. Choose him. I don't, I, don't gotta, I don't believe all this, Michael, and all this, and you don't have to believe and understand all of the spiritual warfares. I don't even understand it all. I just keep it simple. And this, and I believe in Jesus Christ. And I've gave him my life. I've asked him to forgive me of all my sins. He's come in, he's washed me clean, and he's given me a new start. So now I live my life demonstrated by my faith. That's what we do here at church. So I want to ask you today with your heads bowed right now, I'm going to ask our altar workers to come on up to the front here and get you a spot and a place. And I want to ask you if you're here and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I, I don't know if I'd go to heaven if I die. I'm not really sure. Well, then you need to be sure today. And today you can be sure. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. And it's simple, it's a simple choice that where you say, I, I choose in Jesus Christ today. If that's you, just lift up your hand right where you are. Say, pray for me today. Pray for me today. Amen. 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 See the hand. Pray for me today. I want to make sure today. I want to make sure today. Amen. See the hand. See the hand. Amen. Anyone else? I want to make sure today before I leave that I am written in the book of life. Amen. Amen. Hands all over the room. Okay, how many here and you need you just need some prayer in your life? You may be going to see a doctor this week or you got something going on. Amen. Hands up everywhere. Well, listen, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing one more song. And if you lifted your hand for any one of those reasons, I'm gonna ask you to come out of your seat and come on up and let us pray for you. These prayer teams and people are here to pray for you. The rest of you, will you just worship and just create an atmosphere in this Thanks place? Thanks for of, listening. Of worship. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.